knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to, once again, the Bass Cag oh, Brother, this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatin. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Happy you here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery. My co-host, Susie, is out this week. She uh, had her surgery for her shoulder. She is doing well from all things, uh, all reports that I've heard, but uh, we want to wish her uh, continued good health in her recovery and hope that that goes smoothly so she can get uh, heal up quickly and get back out on the water. Um, but I wanted to thank you guys again for joining me for another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs. Excited about the show tonight because uh, the topic that we're going to talk about is something that I just don't have a lot of experience with. Um, I kind of live vicariously through all the stories that I hear because it sounds amazing. Um, and I just don't have that much of um, uh, the kind of areas that this technique is good for right around me. Um, I, I, I probably have the closest place is probably out an hour away and uh, it just gets longer from there. So I don't get to fish this kind of uh, technique very much, but um, it's definitely something I need to learn and uh, want to learn. Um, so I reached out to Brian this week, um, knowing that uh, I was going to be flying solo. And I said, hey, um, I'm looking for somebody uh, to cover, uh, you know, a specific topic. And uh, he was lucky enough to uh, hook me up with tonight's guest, Mr. Blaine Upton. So welcome to the new show, Blaine. What is going on, man? I am glad to be here. I love being on some paddle and fin, man. I love the intro is beautiful. The intro y'all have made, man. It's, it's amazing. I love it. It reminds me of like that old school wake up on Saturday morning, turn (laughs) it on TV and there it is right in front of you. You know, man, I Uh, I love it. So y'all, y'all have built something really cool here. I love paddle and fin. Thanks dude. I appreciate the, the kind words. And, um, 
we are super fortunate to have some great people on our team that are way better at that technical stuff than I am. I'm a computer, uh, an IT guy for a living, but like when I get home, the computer is the last thing I want to touch. And, you know, these guys put a lot of time into uh, that kind of stuff. And I'm super grateful to have them here because they definitely pick up my slack and uh, make this a uh, easy job for me uh, and make us look really good. So, you know, definitely I appreciate that. And I will pass that along to them because they do a great job. So, so uh, how's it been, man? Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, especially it's kind of last minute. Uh, I reached out to Brian this morning and I was like, hey, I'm looking for someone, trying to find somebody. I'm struggling a little bit this week. And he's like, no, no, I got a great person, man. And he uh, put t us together and you're like uh, kind enough to come on relatively quickly. So I totally appreciate that. You're bailing me out, bud. Dude, it's no problem at all, man. I was just hanging around tonight. Got a got a little bass boat event Sunday. Don't have a whole lot going on this weekend. And like I said, I never mind being on paddling fan. It's one of my one of my favorites. So, man, I I was really excited though for this to be a technique specific podcast. I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff on that. You know, I I've gotten a lot of like recognition for you know, catching big fish doing this, but I've never gotten to talk about what I actually do. So this is, this is actually pretty cool and delving into it. I feel like I'm going to talk everybody's head off, but I'm going <laughs> to do my best to, uh, do my best to, you know, keep it, keep it on topic. So, well, that's all right. Cause, um, you know, I've gotten comments from our listeners before and that's, you know, one of the things that brought me to doing this kind of show is, is learning and, you know, so many people talk about it, but so few actually go into the the very specifics of it. And, and that's the stuff that I crave. And I think that's the stuff that brings our listeners back uh, week in and week out. Cause uh, you know, a lot of people take for granted that people know how to do this and, and um, you know, it, it's definitely something, you know, that doesn't come easy to me. And uh, I mean, it, it makes sense and I can watch videos on it all day long, but actually getting out there and putting it into practice is a whole nother thing. So before we get into that, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself to any of the folks who aren't familiar with you. Um, I know you've been on, you mentioned pre-show that, yeah, you've been on quite a few different podcasts, but, um, you know, for the folks that don't know you, uh, kind of go through who you are, where you're from, how you got into kayak fishing, that kind of thing. Is enough. So my name is Blaine Upton. I am from basically columbia south carolina if you really want to get specific it's a small two-stop light town called chapin um it is right on the shores of lake murray which uh is you know dead in the center of the state um i grew up here i've lived upstate and in the center of the state but most of my life in the center of the state um grew up fishing bass boat stuff got into college sold my boat did school got out of it and, you know, money wasn't exactly the, uh, the thing most abundant in my life. So <laughs> I, uh, I decided, man, I was like, what's the cheap way to get back into competitive fishing? And I looked into kayak fishing and I was like, man, I don't know how I feel about it. And then I saw motors and stuff like that. And I was like, man, this is going to be, this is kind of cool. Let me try this. So I got into it, fished my first tournament in 2019 um was in the top 10 for aoi in my first year um in our local events um fished my first kvf event in 2019 qualifying for the national championship which you know pretty cool just going to see it on a national level and going somewhere that wasn't home got to do that and so 
um, late 2019, I'm pretty sure it was, or if it wasn't late, it was a few months before I went to Gunnersville. Um, I was added to Team New Canoe, which uh, is where I've gotten to be sort of close with Brian and, you know, get to know him a little bit. And um, so been on Team New Canoe since I am uh, starting in 2020. I helped help direct a tournament trail in South Carolina called Palmetto State Kayak Bass Fishing. Um, we've moved this year to be on an app and increased turnouts and, you know, are trying to grow and, you know, it's been pretty cool to do that. So, um, outside of that, the main reason I got into kayak fishing was to, you know, get back into competitive fishing in some nature. That was the first thing in my head was I want to get back into tournaments and cause I, I really love the competitive nature of it. And uh, getting into that, and I have a lot of rivers around me, and I figured a kayak would be a good catch-all to be able to fish any place I wanted to and, you know, do it on a decent budget. So since I've, you know, got $3,500 in a kayak with an XI3 and a Dakota Lithium and everything else, uh, I've got a bass boat now, so I do a little bit of both. Um also, the ease of travel with a kayak got me into it. My wife is from Florida, so I spend a lot of time in Florida where I actually learned to pick up the technique we're going to talk about tonight. And um, But yeah, man, kayak fishing was just easy for me to get into. I had a local dealer around me. They got me into it. And, you know, ever since I stepped foot in my first new canoe, I was like, man, this is this is my boat and, you know, this is my thing. So I've always loved competitive fishing, and this was, like I said, a way to get me back into it quickly. Cool, cool. And uh, what boat do you fish out of uh, mostly? Currently, I have a Pursuit. Um, I'm looking to go to an Unlimited for 2023. Um, I love my Pursuit and all that. It just, I I use it with a motor, and I'm thinking 2023 is going to be the year of me stepping away from the motor to be able to fish anything I want to because it holds me back from certain tournaments right now. And we have a big local series near us. I mean, local. It's getting to the point it's not local anymore. Um, Queen City Kayak Bass Fishing out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, who, I mean, average 100 and 120, 130 anglers a tournament. And it's, wow. getting, it's, it's getting big, and they don't allow motors. And, man, it's it's just be senseless to fish for less money, you know, just to right. be lazy. So now do you think you'll do pedal or do you think you'll go the whole way back to paddling? No, we're going pedal. Yeah, no, I'm too lazy to go all the way back to paddle, which <clears throat> I, I hold that club queen city. I hold the biggest bass in, in their history right now using this technique we're going to talk about. And <laughs> I did not have a pedal drive for the new canoe. And that whole event, I had to drop the motor having a $1,200 motors, you know, $900 battery sitting at home. <laughs> to paddle my butt all day long but it ended up working out for me so i mean no was- i feel you we were talking about the the hobie event on the susquehanna and um i i i, I pedal an outback um and i've been so used the last couple of years to um pedaling pretty much everywhere i want to go and the river was so low this year that on on, on that tournament i ended up uh probably paddling 70 percent of it so by the time i was done man i was beat because i was not ready for that at all and uh i i i definitely uh it it was good because it i i kind of got away from my roots there and had forgot some of the paddling skills so i kind of got a quick refresher on that 
And especially in some of the current that we're in, it was a little hairy at times. It was low, but fast, you know, so you're bouncing off rocks and, you know, it was, it was definitely uh, an interesting time. And uh, oh, man, I had friends that went to that event and had to do the same thing. And I, I just remember getting texts about, dude, I'm so sore. I, you know, all I've had to do is paddle because there was a lot of spots in the river with how low, like you said, it was that, man, they were pulling pedal drives and damaging pedal drives. Mm -hmm. and, you know, man, it, it, that was a, that was a pretty crazy event. So. No, it, it was it was definitely interesting. And that was my first major event. So it was definitely a learning experience for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of glad to get back to my my small, you know, local uh, kayak anglers or central PA tournaments because uh, I just fished one of those maybe two weekends ago, got 10th out of 22nd. I was happy. You know, it was just laid back, not not nearly as much pressure. And I was like, OK, you know, I did that giant guy. You're out there to have fun. Anything you place is a bonus. Right. Absolutely. And and uh, I was like, I, I don't know that I'm going to be in a super rush to go back to those hobbies. I'm kind of enjoying, you know, the the small, small stuff. But we'll see. You know, uh, I'm keeping my options open for sure. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I know you uh, kind of hinted around um, uh, the topic for tonight and um, we're going to cover uh pitching and flipping basically and, and, and fishing in grass, you know, and, and, and punching mats, that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's definitely something, again, I, I have, um, I'm trying to think of the, the two lakes closest to me. Uh, Pincho is one and, um, it just has one section that is particularly matted ever there. There's a lot of else that's kind of open and, um, some kind of submerged grass and stuff, but there is definitely some mats. And, um, I've, you know, tried my luck at that. I, I mostly tried frogs and stuff and kind of pulling it across the top, hoping something would blow up through it, but, uh, it doesn't really happen. I had a little bit of a luck, uh, luck throwing like a popper in the open spots in the middle of the mats, kind of anywhere I saw uh, kind of a uh, pulling up and was, you know, lucky enough to cast to it. Uh, I had a little bit of luck that way, but for the most part, I ended up skipping it because, uh, I just get so frustrated, uh, trying to fish it. And, um, and then uh, we have a lake, probably, uh, I want to call it Lake X, just because it's it's a little bit of a secret. It's a um, human-powered only lake, um, but in the summer, it gets really, really grassy. Like, in the winter, it's awesome because the grass dies off, and, you know, there's huge fish in there. And then I, I kind of stopped fishing it in the summer because, A, it's you can't pedal it because it gets so thick that you have to pretty much paddle. And... B, I just get so frustrated because it's all grass. Like it, it pretty much gets entirely filled up. So, um, I think uh, um, punching mats is going to be an awesome topic. And uh, so, what what kind of where did you get started, and and how in the heck did you decide? Hey, you know, I'm going to go fish in that stuff. Yeah. So exactly, <laughs> man. So honestly, I've learned this learned this tactic in the last like. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. 
It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Three years. Um, it's something I've devoted a lot of time to. My wife being from Florida, I went down there, had a friend who I made in Florida, and he lived in the same town my wife was from, went to high school with my wife, but we became friends way later on. So he took me and kind of showed me this. And, you know, whenever I'd see stuff like this, I'd do the same thing you would. I'd get frustrated with it. And I'm like, dude, there's no way fish can be up in this. <laughs> well, I mean, picture my face when we pull up to nothing but that. And this guy, I, I had on a, uh, what's the word? A peg Texas rig, three-aught hook, one-ounce weight, and I flip on there, and it just lands on top of it and sits on top. <laughs> and he's like, how big is your weight? And I'm like, an ounce. And he's like, dude. He said, pardon my French, he said, you're pissing in the wind? <laughs> he said, dude, there's no way you're getting through that. He said, here, you need a weight? And I'm like, what What are you throwing? He's like, two. I'm like, two what? He's like, two ounces. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? So... I was like, there, this is this is dumb. There's no way this works. So we continued down that edge, and we hit this one point, and I'm watching the depth finder, and you watch the bottom just drop down. And I'm like, all right, there's a drop-off right here. Right about the time I saw it on the depth finder, he's on the front of the boat already knowing dang well it's there and just leans back, and the braid starts singing against the grass, and... I'm like, is it big? I'm like, dude, I haven't even seen the fish move. He's like, dude, I have a giant on here. He said, lean down, try and get this thing out of the grass. So I leaned down with my hand, and I reached underneath. And when I reached underneath, I put my hand on her belly, and she came flying out. And I mean, all it was like a six pound, four ounce fish. He put her in the boat, and he's like, yeah, that's what that's what this is. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So ever since, just the idea of this is a big fish tactic, and watching him battle the fish out of that much cover i was i was hooked i was like man big line big stick big hook big weight everything i don't like i don't like playing around with fish on a spinning rod so this 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 fit my fit my repertoire pretty well so went down that line and continued and i caught my first fish flipping into it and from there it it was on Came back to South Carolina after that trip. By the way, that day, our bag, our best five was 31 4. Wow. Yeah. Insane day. Um, and that was in Florida. So I came back, and about, what was that, six months later, Queen City put on the No Limit event featuring the Big Bass Power Hour. So I went to the nearest lake that was on their, their available lakes that had that kind of vegetation. Now, granted, I'm in South Carolina. That was in Florida, and it is now December. So not necessarily what you want to do, but I know what it can do. You will flip a lot of grass to find a 40-yard hot stretch that puts a bag in your boat that you would never believe. So I went out that day seeking one big bite because the hourly payout was $1,000 for big bass per hour, and then okay. the overall MLF style. So, so basically that event... Overall MLF style, no limit, as many measurable fish as you can get, and there's an hourly big bass payout. Okay. So my goal was to go out and catch two big fish and win two grand because it paid the same thing to win the MLF style that it did an hour of big bass. Wow. So 
I went out on Santee. I fished for four and a half hours without getting a bite and never put the flipping stick down and just kept doing the same thing. Kept doing the same thing. I'm like, man, I am wasting my time. I'm about to just hurt my own feelings. I'm going to go home. And I saw this one green mat that was still alive back in the back of the cove. And that fish I pulled out of there was nine pounds and some change, 24 inches. I mean, dude, belly on the thing like that. It was the biggest bass I've ever caught in my life, and I caught it out of a kayak, and during an event like that, it was just huge. I mean, so this tactic, man, it takes some patience and some getting used to, because, like I said, you look at that kind of stuff, and if you're not used to seeing stuff that thick, it, it's, it just bounces off your head. You're like, this is pointless. I'm wasting my time. You flip in there. You got to find places the grass creates a canopy. Now, whether it be hydrilla, whether it be gator grass, whatever it is, as long as it mats over and creates canopy, um, you want that shade. This time of year is perfect for it because it's hot. These fish are seeking shade during the daytime. So you want the thickest stuff you can find to me. And if you can get through it, it's usually first or second yo-yo you're going to get bit. So that is a, it's a way to cover water while fishing slow at the same time in a way, you know, I know that's kind of, but it's been really good to me to be able to cover water that way and just move down a line of grass and, you know, one, two, move on one, two, especially with using a motor. It's been really easy for me, but as you cover it's hard not to get discouraged because you think, Hey, there's no way fish are going to be seeing this. There's so much for, you know, obstructing their sight. But what you don't realize is that what you're flipping through goes down about a foot. And then there's three and a half feet of water below. And what those fish are doing are just sitting there waiting on something to swim by. Now, as you were talking about, Hey, throwing something in the holes, those are places light comes through. Everyone always says throw to the holes. Yes, with moving baits, that is the correct thing. When you're flipping, you do not want to flip into the holes. They use that light that comes through the mat as silhouette to be able to pinpoint things. It's to be able to see it. When you're under there and it's completely dark because it filters out all the sunlight, that hole is, you know, essentially the light in the middle of your room. Gotcha. So what I have always told people is you don't want to flip into the holes. You want to flip to the edges of them, right around the edge. You maybe pick four places on it, left side, back side, front side, right side. If you don't get bit, move to the next one. But those holes are used a lot as ambush points. So that is something to always pay attention to. And I've always found that to be successful. Um, as far as picking the right mats, it's really tough. And that is one thing I'm not going to lie to you about. It is never a hundred percent thing. I flipped a lot of grass and caught not a lot of fish before, <laughs> but it's a tactic that, I mean, big fish use it a lot to be able to get out of boat traffic, to be able to get out of the way of, you know, other fish to have their own little area. You know, you see it a lot. And what is really crazy to me is thinking about, how many times I've flipped into a mat, not gotten bit, and how many fish were just sitting under there. So, right. I, know, I told you I was going to ramble a lot about this. No, no, really that's good. That, 
because I, I need to hear it because I need to be convinced that it's I'm not wasting my time because that the, as soon as I you know flip for uh, punch mats for 15 minutes and don't get bit I'm gonna be so tempted to be like there's no fish here yeah. and uh, but you know what I I, I got I'm gonna have to take do what you know what we always talk about and that's lock it in your hand and just do it um, you know commit to it for at least you know one trip and just uh, see what I can get now. Um, a couple, uh, right off the bat, uh, I'm thinking when I, when I hear you say two ounces, I'm like, that's like surf fishing weight, you know? So what does that look like? Like, <clears throat> it's, I, I, a it's a tungsten weight, man. Honestly, tungsten's really revolutionized this because hearing just getting into this tactic in the last couple of years and hearing what it used to be, it cracks me up. Their lead weights that they were using were like three <laughs> inches long. I mean, now, uh, Tungsten weighs probably about an ounce, or it's probably about an inch and a half long. And then, I mean, it's probably half an inch in circumference. And I mean, the thing is, I mean, it's, they're, they're just so expensive that it hurts. But outside of that, I mean, I'm paying 12, 10, 12 bucks for a weight. One. Okay. Right. But I mean, the thing is, the way you go about using it and the, the equipment you use. It feels a little bit better. I don't flip with anything less than 65-pound braid. Okay. Uh, snell knots on the hook every time, and you want to make sure you get your snell right because basically before you peg your weight, if you hold your weight up to your Texas rig after you snell it, the hook compared to the weight should pop up like that. It should not be upside down. Gotcha. So what happens is when you set the hook and that weight, big weight comes down and it gets on that flipping hook, it'll pull it up and help you peg that fish right in the top of the mouth. If it does it the other way, it does the opposite effect. But that snell knot's really essential because, man, you're pulling this fish out of seven pounds of vegetation. And if it's a three and a half, four pound fish, man, you got to think you're doing some work right there. So 65 to 80 pound braid, um, two ounce, ounce and a half tungsten weight, depending on the thickness of what you're flipping. If an ounce will get through there, here, an ounce, you get more bites. I'll tell you that right now. If you can get an ounce through there, you'll get more bites because it falls slower. But okay. something about something about that two ounce weight to me, I avoid getting bit by twelve inch fish. It drops like a rock once it falls through there. It is soup, and whenever it drops, a twelve inch fish will turn away to it, while a four pounder can't stand. I don't know what it is about it, but I, it, I've always found that heavier weight just helps me. I don't spend as much time trying to get it through the stuff that I'm fishing, whether it be mm -hmm. hyacinth, you know, penny war, whatever it is. But that that fast drop is better for bigger fish. Gotcha. So, oh, all right. While we're while we're talking, um, kind of the tackle and everything. You said a flipping hook. What what does that look like? Is it like a EWG hook or uh you know no, it's straight shank. Straight shank straight. with a bait keeper on it, um thick wire. I mean, dude, the thing Trocar uh, owner makes a good one. Trocar makes a good one, which I think I think that's the same company, I'm pretty sure. But um Strike King makes a really good one in the hack attack heavy cover flipping hook and that's a very cost effective one that has the same look to the trocar same sharpness for a better price um usually i'm three or four aught i don't like okay. going much bigger um beaver style bait 
sometimes with appendages, sometimes without. It depends on their mood, man. If you get a cold front, without usually. But if it's been hot and it's for, – for South Carolina, this is more of a late summer, fall, especially shad spawn type deal. Um, and usually whenever you're fishing that kind of stuff and it's been hot for long periods of time, you want as much movement as you can on some of those baits. The striking, uh, rage bug, that, that's a, that's a strong one, man. I, I flip with that thing a lot. Um, you have like three different sets of appendages that you can choose from and they all come banded to the bait. So you break them off and then they're new ones. So you can leave them to where you don't have as much action or adjust it accordingly. So you've got flippers, you've got a second little set of flippers up towards the top of it, and then you've got antenna. And Strike King took the antenna and put like little tiny paddle tails on it. So even the antenna wow. thing goes back and forth. <laughs> I've always liked that bait for punching, man. That's like I said, PB's on it, so I can't. I'm kind of partial, but um, oh yeah, yeah. Reaction innovations make some really good beavers for punching. Um, in the sweet beaver and the kinky beaver, I know. The reaction innovations <laughs> kills me. Yep, yep. I love their names. Yeah, they they, <laughs> they crack me up. I'll tell you, California 420. That's a good one. And then they uh, their June bugs good. And uh, but I'll tell you that California 420 is like all we flip with in Florida. And man, it is it's money in the bank like every time like it doesn't matter water clarity it doesn't matter if we've had they've had rain doesn't matter if it's been hot as you know what it always produces because i mean so the area she's my wife's from in florida is near crystal river and it's got some of the clearest water in florida and i mean there's springs there that you're looking down and thinking you're in 12 inches of water and it's four and a half feet five foot deep wow um yeah and <laughs> So when it rains there, it, it, their version of dingy water and my version of dingy water are two very different things. I mean, I fish chocolate milk up here. If they had that color water down there, they wouldn't be able to catch fish for weeks. Um, but yeah, man, those beavers, the, those beaver style baits are really good. And, um, gambler lures also make some slept on lures that people use for punching. So just, uh, just a couple of, uh, couple of things that we go to there um and then outside of that it's just finding the right grass and i think that is the hardest part of it because every time you have the opportunity to do this it seems that you're stuck with an expanse expanses mm -hmm. of grass and to look at something that's almost completely covered over you're like well where you know where, where do i start and you know it comes back down to your topo maps and looking at what it runs along like i said earlier i was watching the graph and i watched it just slope down you got those pockets and i mean they'll sit on transitions like they do anywhere else so it's all about finding that or even extra cover in the grass i can't tell you how many times you find a lay down with a mat around it and dude it is just one after the other after the other after the other and you're flipping right in the same spot and it's just because huh. there's so much to hide in right there right yeah so i mean and having someone in front of you and watching them catch fish while you've been doing this for an hour and not catching fish is just the most frustrating thing <laughs> it, it's it's 
streaky and it just takes one different movement of the rods hit to change everything. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's interesting. Cause I, I, I wondered how, like if you're following up someone and you're doing, you're trying to mimic them, you know, and they're catching fish and you're not, it's definitely, it, it's, I guess, until you get that, that one twitch the way it needs to be twitched that that really makes the, makes the triggers the reaction and gets to the bite. Yeah. And a lot of times with this stuff, man, everybody wants to drop it in there once you get it in the mat and sit there and yo-yo five, eight, nine times. And it's like, man, one, two, three, good enough for me. I mean, that's the way I think about it. You drop in, it falls down. You, br- I usually bring up about, I don't know, a quarter, depending on how deep it is. Now, obviously, you could be flipping mats in 15 feet of water. You could be flipping mats in eight foot of water. Let it hit the bottom, bring it up once and drop it back. Then after that, you want to come up just about a foot off the bottom. Shake a couple of times, drop, come up. Once that happens, if he ain't bit by then, he ain't there. You've covered the entire expanse of what he wants to see. And, I mean, is it that, hey, there's not a fish there? No. It's that that fish ain't eating. Gotcha. And, And as tournament fishermen, I feel like we struggle with that a lot. It's hey, you know, there's fish here, you know, I can't get them to eat. How much time do I need to spend on a non-active group of fish before I just need to go spend time finding an active group? Right. And that is that is what a lot of grass fishing situations are. Now, we've just covered the, the thing that I love the most, and that's flipping and pitching it. Um, but when you're in a body of water with a lot of grass, you're usually kind of limited on what you can do. I mean, you get out there in the middle, for instance, shaky head grass and shaky head do not go hand in hand. And I love to throw a shaky head. Mm-hmm. So going to Florida and having to adjust to that, like, Oh, I can't throw this anymore. was hard for me. Um, you have to switch to those Texas rigs. There's some smaller profiles that can actually be moved through it. And this year, for the first time pretty much in my life that I can remember, Lake Murray has a ton of grass in it, right in my hometown. Hmm. We've got hyd- a lot of hydrilla growing this year. Is it matted out? No. It is still deep and, you know, on the bottom, four foot off the bottom in places. But go figure, they spray it in 2005. It takes 30 pounds to win a tournament here in 2005. They spray it for the next 15 years it took 15 to 20 pounds to win a tournament wow we're starting to see 25 26 28 we're starting to see those numbers come back so you know people get rid of this stuff because of pleasure boaters and depending on the areas you're in it'll be worse than others for example florida if they combated money to fight grass growth in florida florida would be broke I mean, they would have no money. Right. Constant. It is. Yes. Mm -hmm. So here they really did one huge move over the whole lake. And I mean, they, there, there was two, I'd say five, I'd say, I'll say five years that there was absolutely desolate, no grass in this lake. Wow. And watching it come back and being, knowing what I do about it now and watching it come back in the last two or three years has been like, you know, I've been ready for this for so long. <laughs> so, um, different ways to fish it, man. It's not only visible grass. A, a lot of 
grass fishing is not invisible. Get on your graph um, and find areas actually where the grass is not. Go figure. You can find hard spots in the middle of these long grass lines, just areas where the grass isn't growing. Maybe it's a rock pile. Maybe there's a tree down there. Maybe it's a spot where current hits funny. You know, you never know. But if you can find those hard spots, man, nine times out of ten, if you're staring at the graph, you start seeing those little dots with shadows, man. You know they're there. You're able to really put it together. And that's a good way to find them concentrated and fired up with um, chatter baits, spinner baits, um, Texas rigs through the middle of those hard spots. And there's where you can start growing the shaky head again if you can get away from the grass. Um, those are all really good ways to uh, go about it. Um, another thing in the mornings when they're not pushed up in as far, you find that in the mornings fish are more active when that temperature's cooler and are more apt to come out and hit something moving on top of the mat or on the edge of the mat. Mm -hmm. um, I've caught fish flipping in the morning, but I'll tell you, it's much better once the sun gets up. You know, once you get through your morning schooling bite or whatever you've got, that's when you go flip. Once it starts getting dead, because that's the thing. This is not a tactic you're going to go out and catch 50 fish in day. It's been done, but this is not a common thing. Right. It's something that if you can go out and put it together, you're going to put three to four, I mean, good ones. I mean... 18 plus inch fish in the kayak right so, no and and for the tournaments like you were talking about where there there's a big fish every hour every once in a while they have those up here too and um you know that seems ideal for that you know because like you said you you win one hour or yo know, if you if you win two hours man you're you're set so um that i think lends itself perfect to that kind of fishing or that kind of tournament so definitely um i wanted to ask quickly uh Real and rod, you know, are we talking like extra heavy or what can I get away with a heavy, you know? I, I, you can get away with heavy. I, I flip. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. With a 7.6 heavy, uh, it's uh, Fitzgerald, and the only reason, I, I'm a lose guy. I'm on a team with lose, and I hate to say this, but I flipped with a Fitzgerald, and the only reason is because of the warranty. You are rough on those rods, man. I mean, if you are flipping into that kind of stuff, you are not going to be easy on this piece of equipment. I like a metal-geared reel, something like that lose. uh the lose heavy duty series um something with metal gears because as you're pulling through this stuff and especially if you're pegged up with a good one through it i mean that reel's doing some work um but as far as the rod go seven six heavy fitzgerald 65 to 80 pound braid and uh something with metal gears to keep yourself from shearing them because if it's something with ceramic gears man 
you'll get you'll get through a few trips with it, no doubt. You'll catch a few fish with it, but you will find that if it's an expensive reel with ceramic gears, you'll go to clean it the next time. Get a nice uh nice dusting all over everything as <laughs> the gears are disintegrated in there. Oh yeah. Uh I I can only imagine. I don't I don't know that I have a uh a reel yet. I have a Douglas extra or uh heavy that I got from Brian, you know. Um, you know, ordered it through him and, you know, uh, that's been my frogging rod. So I think I have a rod that'll do it. Definitely might have to do some shopping for a reel because. I'm uh, telling you what I've found, man, instead of, you know, your metal geared reels are really expensive. I'll go out and buy a $50, you know, cheapy, cheap bait caster. And if it lasts a year of punching, great. And then I'll buy another. Well, in that case, then I might have it because I have a bunch of cheap kind of bigger uh bait casters like uh as you know casking or something down, you're good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool well um i okay so i think i'm good um how about and you do straight braid no uh braid delete or anything like that no you do not want to play with a leader in that thick stuff man i mean even if it is something heavy they if they eat it in that thick of stuff they are not paying attention to braided line gotcha and it is an incredible bite. I'll tell you, if you haven't caught a fish doing it, the first time you flip in there and you pick up and it's just super heavy and you think it's grass and then all of a sudden your rod tip goes, Doop! and it's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, and I'll tell you, braid makes some crazy sounds against grass. It's some beautiful <laughs> stuff, man. I mean, I call it the funny fiddle. It's just, uh, it is, uh, it is some, it makes some squealing, whining noises that, it, it'll make hair stand up on you that sounds <laughs> awesome that sounds de like definitely an experience i want to have so yeah man it's something to go look at if you've never seen this tactic or even thought about you know attempting this tactic go watch some videos from gunnersville and like bobby lane bobby lane on ufala mlf event um he went on a, a drainage pipe run is what they call it that's what the video is called but there's this huge grass mat and on the back side of the grass mat is this pipe that is just pushing water into lake ufala and he sits on this mat for like five and a half hours i mean never moves just flipping all around his boat but this one concentrated mat dude he put like 30 some odd pounds in the boat and Every time he set the hook, it was over four and a half pounds. I mean, wow. it's just it's just such a super cool tactic. And that was honestly where I first saw it was watching Bobby Lane and those other Florida guys and people on Gunnersville too that came from these places with just mass amounts of grass that you need to learn this tactic to be able to compete. And watching that, I was like, man, I don't have anywhere around here that can do that. Well, then, you know, 2019 Bassmaster comes to Santee Cooper, hour from my house. Carl Jockamson wins it using this tactic. And I'm like, dude, wait a minute. I didn't know there was punchable grass on Santee. I'd never been there. Mm -hmm. I've just I've seen pictures and whatnot. I went to Santee like two weeks after that tournament was over and I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to fish the lake. That's five minutes from my house now. <laughs> it's just, it's Cypress forest in water. It's awesome. It really wow. is. And that I does mean, sound awesome. Grass. Um, it, it's really great for a kayak. Cause that's the thing you can run up these creeks that there's no chance for a boat to get up. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it's a 14 foot John boat, they can't fit between these trees. So, you know, I, I really do like having the kayak and the bass boat. I get the best of both worlds because if I find something in the bass boat, I will throw it on a waypoint and go, Hey man, what's the nearest ramp to here? I got to go back here and see if this Creek's got something, you know what I mean? It's right. Awesome. I love it. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. So you can kind of scout a little bit and cover the water with your boat and then, uh, come back and hit the juicy looking stuff right. and really work your way through it. Cool. Um, a couple more questions. Um, when you're punching through the mat, you, um, when you're talking about yo-yoing, you go to the bottom, when you come back, are you going back up to the underside of the mat or are you just coming up? You want to, I mean, no, it, it obviously it's going to depend how deep it is. Cause when you lift your rod tip, obviously you're going to bring it up about a foot. If it's really shallow, no, I'll bring it up just off the bottom and then just do a little shake. If there's not enough room to do much, because I, I have caught fish out of mats in Florida and South Carolina, that those fish had to be laying on their side to be up under there. There's <laughs> no other logical explanation because their backs should have been out of the water. Right. So, But I've also caught fish in mats that it takes six seconds for a two-ounce weight to hit the bottom. Wow. So, okay. You know, it, there, there's a variety. But anyways, I'm bringing it up about that six inches to a foot off the bottom, something just to grab attention. Um, okay. I'd say 80 to 85% of your bites doing this are on the initial drop. I mean, you will pick up on it to do your first. Once it hits the bottom, you will pick up on it to do your first yo-yo, and you'll feel boom, boom, or it'll just be super heavy. And I'll tell you, that spongy, like, I'm not talking about you're using a two-ounce weight. It's not going to be a little heavy. It's going to feel like there is a purse attached to the other end <laughs> of your, you know, your line. So that, and I will also tell you one mistake a lot of people do, and it causes them to lose a lot of fish doing this, is flip in, let it fall on a slack line. Once it hits the bottom, flip your reel over, and then, you know, pick your slack up off the water and start to pull and it's like oh i got a bite by the time you feel that bite that fish is underneath you dude they grab that thing and run that is every one of them does it by the time you feel them that fish is three foot away from where your bait went in there if you leave it a slack he's six foot away from there um i let it you flip in keep your rod tip up i do not click my reel until after i've yo-yoed once um, reason for that being is I'm feeling as that line comes out, it's braid, it's heavy braid. When one wallops it on the way down, you'll feel it in the reel. I mean, you'll feel it down on your thumb. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people also think, oh, big line, big hook, big weight. I need to drop, put some slack in it and absolutely crack it to them. That is not the case. Hmm. It is a lot like a drop shot hook set. I like really. This. As it goes in, rod tip up. When you get bit, lean back into it. Do not drop and let slack down because when you do that, it's just like a drop shot. It lets that two-ounce weight drop down in their mouth. You think a little drop shot, quarter-ounce drop shot weight dropping down, and when they drop it because of that, what do you think a two-ounce weight's going to do? I mean, it's a rock dropping in the bottom <laughs> of their mouth. Right. Um, and when you lean back into it, let your gear do the work. I mean, that extra heavy rod, heavy braid, Um, that snell knot and when that hook sinks down and hits against the o of the hook it's going to 
bring that thing up and let it do its job right into the top of the mouth every time. But I slack line hook sets is one thing I love to do, especially like worming on deep pumps and stuff on Lake Murray. You know, when I get bit, it's drop it down, give him just a second and slam it to him. And I had to get away from that learning this tactic because it's all you want to do with that heavy tackle. But if you do it, you'll miss so many fish. And I'll tell you, a two-ounce weight at 80 miles an hour from a missed fish hurts so bad. And I don't care where it hits you. I mean, it will leave bruises. It'll look like you play paintball. I've heard horror stories about chipped teeth and all sorts of stuff. Uh, uh, so that's definitely something I guess you have to kind of learn and uh, be careful of a little bit. But yeah, yeah, you do not want that thing coming back at you at 90 miles an hour. It's a bullet. <laughs> it's literally a bullet. <laughs> I was going to ask you, speaking of bullet, um, I was going to ask you about uh, weight shapes. Like I know, um, I know Jimmy Skinner, uh, um, he talks a lot about like tomahawk shaped weights um, that he uses. And, and uh, I've heard of different kind of styles like that. Is it more just like a, an egg sinker or what, what kind of shape are we talking about? You mind holding on for one second? Nope. Nope. Go ahead, man. While he's uh, running to grab that guys. Um, thanks again for tuning in. We're getting lots of great juice. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and um, uh, I am super looking forward to get out and getting out and trying this. Uh, I can have to dust off the the dust off my uh, um, my heavy rod because it just doesn't get a lot of action here where I am. But uh, I might be making a trip shortly to to go try that out. So yeah, man. So sorry about that. But yeah, no, no worries. That is the flipping rod, and man, this is this is it. So as far as the weight shape and everything goes. That is okay. a, that's an ounce and a half, um, not the full two ounce. Okay. But pegged beaver style bait. You want that straight line so it can fall straight through the grass. If you end up with it, you know, bunch down on it with a little bit of arch and all that kind of stuff, it never wants to fall through correctly. Um, so the way it's rigged, 100% is a big deal. Another thing, if you're one of those guys that goes, hey, I'm going to bring, you know, I got four of those left in that pack. That should be good enough. This giant wire hook, you will go through these beavers even though you don't catch fish on them. Going through that heavy stuff, it'll come out eventually, start tearing a hole in the back of it. You go through plastic doing this. So I'm a big proponent of trying to find bait makers that use recycled plastics and stuff like that, that you can donate your old stuff to. Cause man, you will really go through a bunch of them. But also uh, I talked about that hack attack hook earlier. That is it. Um, you see, it's just bait keeper right there. Straight shank, heavy, heavy wire. I mean, you can see how thick that thing is um, when it's, when it's got to hold up, you know, eight pounds worth of grass and bass. It, uh, it's got to be, it's got to have the ability to do it. So I was going to yeah. say, you're not going to want something that could possibly bend out. Cause I, I'm sure you use any kind of light stuff and that's going to bend right away. And that's it. That, that I could probably pick up a five gallon bucket full of water with this rod. So, <laughs> I mean, dude, you got to think that hook's got to be able to withstand that kind of pressure. And you don't want to disappoint yourself because a lot of times when you get bit in grass, it is not a small fish. Mm-hmm. 
So you want to make sure you're you're getting that fish in the whole way. That that kind of brought me to another question that I was having. Um, how often are you really like pulling in half the mat with the fish? Is that that see I, like I've seen pictures of people yeah. pulling in like a huge clump of stuff, and you know there's a fish in there somewhere. But uh, it depends how the fight goes, man. Um, it, I, I like to say that if you pull in a lot of grass with the fish, uh, he he got you to an extent. Um, but a lot of times with those big ones, it's hard not to, um, it depends what they do when you hook them. A lot of times if they take off out of it and you've got long strands of like the, uh, the base stem through there, it'll drag it out with it and you'll end up with a huge mess. Other times like that video I sent in the group earlier, man, I set the hook on that one. It was a seven pounder set the hook on that fish. And all he did was come straight up and jump right out the top of the mat on top and come out just like he should yeah it 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 really depends but um you know i've got a lot of videos from that trip and a couple of them i mean you'll set it into there we we've caught fish in florida where you set the hook so deep in the mat that you can't get to them with the trolling motor you have to fire up the big motor to get into the mat just to be able (laughs) to get up to the fish fight down get him out of there ripping stuff apart gators gators on the water you know <laughs> you're down there just trying to wrestle a bass out of there but yeah i mean man it, it depends how the fight goes um, and i guess that really makes uh like what you're talking about earlier about not letting them get that run and uh probably makes a huge difference so you know the important. less the less you can let them the less distance you can let them cover the less you're going to have to try and pull them back through. So Right. And that's the thing. Pulling them back through is not something you necessarily want. I mean, you got to think when you put that much pressure, enough pressure to pull your boat over towards this fish on this 80 pound braid. Imagine how much pressure that's putting on this hook in this fish's mouth. It's not going to stand forever. You'll get to the point if you try and like pull him out of the grass or something crazy like that, it's, you can do it with that braid, but you'll end up pulling the hook out of the fish's mouth. Mm-hmm. And I've had that happen many a times too. Gotcha, gotcha. Not, not a good experience to see a tail of a bass on top of a mat like your two hands, and then feel it pull off and watch oh. it just go down. Yeah. Yep, there it goes. Depression. <laughs> um, another question I had. Um, so, do you t- kind of sit on the edge? Uh, or do you get like right in the thick stuff? Like kayak, I imagine you can kind of float on top. That's it. So that was one thing I loved about punching out of the kayak, man. So on Gunnersville in 2019, I had this whole cove that was layered over with hydrilla. And it's like bass boats would fish the edge of it and move on. Well, doing some research, there's a creek that runs through there. And towards the back of it, that creek drops down. But it's 50 yards into the mat. Kayak, especially the new canoes with how much little water it drafts, Mm-hmm. right over the top of it paddled all the way back there started flipping once i got on that creek channel and you know started whaling and those are essentially virgin fish man you know nobody messes with them right no no that makes sense so um i was that i was thinking that that you know i should be able to get back on top of even even though it looks intimidating yeah. i'm sure it's not super easy to paddle through that but no, it's not uh, but um like you said it's definitely you're going to definitely find fish that don't get pressured nearly as much because people uh boats and you know even you know uh uh you know if someone can get to the shore around them it's still not going to be easy to get to them and 
Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com You know, kind of punch through that stuff from the shore, so... Most of the time I'm running down grass edges, especially ones that have good depth on them and, you know, topographical changes. Um, but I will tell you, man, that getting the thickest, nastiest mat and getting back into it, you can find can produce. It really can. Um, and distance away from your edge, I'd say your flips, you're using a two-ounce weight, and it's a mat that – when the wind's blowing on the main lake point, those fish hear that waves, those waves and water all the time. In a map, they don't hear that. They're sitting under something that blocks all that, and it just stays completely still. So when you flip on top of it, you don't want to slap. You don't. You want to put your finger back on the spool as it's going to hit the water, and you want a quiet entry. Deal. Deal with getting through the vegetation with your rod tip once it lands. Okay. Don't, try and deal with it on the way in because if you're flipping higher to try and get through all that man those fish are underneath there just hearing wham and i'll tell you in a kayak it's really hard to punch because kayaks verberate sounds so bad mm-hmm. i mean you drop a rod in your kayak and it makes that big thud if you think fish around you don't hear that you're crazy so right. that's one thing you want to have your deck clear you want to have your rod that you're using on hand. You don't want a lot at your feet to kick around. Movements need to be kind of stealthy. Um, and I'll attest to that by saying that fish I caught on Santee, the nine-pounder, I literally was up against a – this mat was a six-foot circle. My kayak was up against the side of it after two flips in there without getting bit, and I reached over and set my bait on top of it. Wiggled it through and dropped it down, picked up on it. Wham. Just, it, it requires a bit of stealth. Well, I'm glad you said that too, because I was kind of thinking that you would have to have some kind of travel to it to get it through there. But you're saying you you basically just want it to hit the top and kind of work its way down through. I lay it, I lay it on top as gently as I can. And from there, you twitch your rod tip and what that does is that weight will fall down. And when you twitch your rod tip, it pushes some of that stuff out of the way and then drops back down. And if you can keep doing that, it digs itself in and eventually you'll find that what you want is your line to start taking off underneath there from there. You want it to fall on a slack line, but you want to keep your rod tip up. And if it stops for any abrupt reason too much, go to feel it because if they will hit it on the way down 99% of the time. You want a quick drop. You don't want it being real slow dropping down, but you want to be able to feel it when they eat it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, that definitely, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I would have totally screwed that part up because, yeah. you know. And that, uh, the open, open bale bait caster as it sinks and leaving your thumb on the spool. And when you get bit, just setting the hook like that is an old school method. And it comes in to the fact that, A, you can control the speed of the drop. B, you don't waste your time with that slack line trying to get your stuff ready to go back and pick up. You don't let that fish have the run. And C, 
a lot of times when you're fighting fish out of this stuff, you want your drag cinch down pretty hard. Mm -hmm. But you want drag there when you set the hook so you're not absolutely, you know, straight braid, man. You don't want to maul this thing into this fish's mouth. So when you've got your thumb on the spool and you set the hook, you've got that little bit of give. It's going right. to spin out just a smidge. Enough mm -hmm. time for you to go click and start reeling down. And uh, I have remedied losing fish like doing that. That is an old, old school trick. The man that taught it to me was like 87. <laughs> <laughs> so that is something I've been taught with flipping. And that, that goes for any type of flipping. Whether you're flipping wood cover, grass cut, you know, thick matted grass, um, docks. I always flip with my finger on the bale because I can control the drop and I can react quicker. And like I said, my drag's there. My finger right. is my drag. Right. But because when I'm flipping, I like to set the hook hard. And that just usually ends in broken line. So <laughs> try to avoid that the most I can. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, well, we are coming up uh, on an hour here. So um, anything else you can think of, um, you know, any other tips for punching that you can just, you know, you're like, uh, it took you a little bit to learn or, you know, hey, uh, I made this mistake. So try not to make this mistake. Yeah. I mean, dude, my main thing was just going, this stuff has too much on top. There's no way to get anything through it. There's no way fish are going to live under there, dude. They totally live under there. They do. And I mean, those are fish that are, they don't see a lot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It can, it can put you in a good position. Nine times out of 10, when you're flipping something that big, that thing's like four and a half, five inches long. When you're flipping something that big into a mat, you're trying to represent a bluegill or a giant shad. So look for areas that if the grass wasn't there, that you would target those same fish. That is one thing I've Pay attention to, to topographical, you know, changes. Mm -hmm. Fish it like you would if the grass wasn't there. But this is a tactic to fish under the grass. So, you know, that 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 is what it took me doing was going, hey, this stuff's not impossible to fish in, but how do I identify how to break it down? Because there's a lot of it. And it's the same way you would anywhere else. You go on those Navionics web apps and you see, hey, this creek channel swings right up against the bank. You go on Google Maps and see, hey, there's a huge grass mat that runs along that bank. That grass mat's going to have good water underneath it. Money. I mean, mm -hmm. easy enough. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the hardest part for me was trying to identify how to break down a place that has a ton of Gotcha. Gotcha. No, and that makes sense. And I think, like, the one, like, I was talking about that uh, – uh, human powered only like i i'm lucky i know where the deeper parts are because of fishing it in the winter when it when all that stuff is not there so um i'm kind of excited to go try that there now uh i'll definitely yeah, you're, uh you're in the right uh, time of year for it there too yeah yeah so all right man well cool i i again tons of great information uh i am super psyched to go out and try this now uh and uh i appreciate everything i wanted to give you a chance uh, to shout out, you know, A, uh, where can folks find you on social media? Yeah, man. Um, so I'm on pretty much all of it. I'm not on Twitter, but Instagram, Facebook, all of it, Blaine Upton Fishing or Blaine Upton. Um, Blaine Upton is going to be on my personal account. Blaine Upton Fishing is always my fishing stuff. So, you know, 
whatever you feel like seeing most of, but hopefully it's the fishing stuff. So the Blaine Upton fishing page also, um, Palmetto state. Um, we we're finishing up our season this year, but check us out. And, um, and in Queen city, there's a big group in our area too. So everybody needs to keep an eye out for them. They're growing like, uh, growing like crazy. So, um, sponsor wise, man, I really want to thank uh, new canoe for everything they do for me. And, um, Lose and Strike King, man, that's been a great company to work with, and they're local to me. So, right here, in that's pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah, I work. Uh, I work a mile from their southeastern headquarters. It's awesome. Wow. Wow. I had a, nice. A lot of friends out of high school go to work for them. So, and then we also have Pure Fishing in our area, which is Abu Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all those companies. So, we a lot of it's based in Colombia, believe it or not. But anyway. Okay. Sponsor-wise, Lou, Strike King, New Canoe, um, Bending Branches. I'm a Bending Branches ambassador. Man, I really appreciate them because a lot of times when I'm using this tactic, I've got to have a paddle in my hand. And if I do have to have a paddle in my hand, it needs to be one that's not going to wear me out. So Bending Branches and uh, Brian Schiller, man. Brian Schiller for helping me helping me get on here and linking us up and just being Brian. He is awesome a good thing. dude, man. He Absolutely. Is. I love me some Brian Schiller. <laughs> Awesome, dude. Well, again, thanks so much for coming on. If you um, bear with me a little bit after I run the um, outro, I just wanted to, you know, have a quick chat before uh, uh, we finish up. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming on, especially last minute. Um, I'll definitely have you on again, man, because, you know, we'll see what other rabbit holes we can go down. And, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate it again so much. So for sure, dude. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in for another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina. The beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.